I got bored with COVID-19 episodes about a week ago. Uh, but and, and moved on to other things. Captain Cook, for example, because it was Captain Cook Day the other day. Um, so that distracted me away from coronavirus. Uh, but, you know, something's just popped up on a screen here. Um, and it is a headline of the um, World Health Organization Chief Tedros Alphabet. You know, I can never say his last name. Oh, look, I'll try. Adenom Gabriesis. Yeah. All right. The WHO, World Health Organization. And he's come out to defend his performance early on in the crisis in uh, being, you know, in which he was accused of being too slow to uh, declare it a pandemic, you know, from Australia's perspective, you know, because we declared it a pandemic before he did, you know, and, and you know, Australia had sort of asked the who, come on, declare it, you know, but they wouldn't. Now holding off, and then we declared it, you know, unilaterally, which was um, pretty amazing, really. And um, and uh, the uh, Australia you know, could tell it was a pandemic, and even earlier than that, Australia could tell that it was dangerous to let people from China come into Australia. So we blocked flights from China, and I think that was the thirtieth of January or something like that. I'm starting to get used to the dates now. Um, so I went back to an episode because um, The Who um, has, just in the, last, in the last 24 hours, defended itself and said, we warned you and it's not our fault if you didn't listen. You know, whereas, you know, from Australia's perspective, we were saying, <laughs> you know, we ignored you all right because you weren't going in hard enough. That's what we said in New Zealand as well. Yeah. So the World Health Organization um, yeah, has come out in the last 24 hours saying, it's not our fault, we haven't got any power, you know. We gave the strictest of advice, you know. And if you didn't choose to, you know, um, follow it, that's your fault. Look, maybe they're talking to America. But from our perspective, um, the WHO and its Director General, Ted Ross, uh, are culpable, you know, because, you know, we were asking them to declare a pandemic and um, and we ended up declaring a pandemic and they declared it 14 days later. You know, but even before that, and uh, I've checked the dates, um, back on January 29 or something like that, yeah, I'm sure it was January 29, Australia banned all flights from China. And the WHO was heavily critical of us. <coughs> um which is interesting, you know, they declared an, an, an emergency, you know, um, at that time, but at the same time, see, you can declare an emergency, but at the same time, they were saying other things as well, at the same time, it's an emergency, but don't halt flights, and they were very strong on that, you know, keep the flights going, and do not, you know, do not um, stigmatise China by stopping flights coming from China, you know, to your country. That's what they were saying. I'll, I'll read it out afterwards. I've got the actual article from the time, February the 3rd. Now, January the 29th, we were saying, you know, we blocked flights. You know, Scott Morrison, to his eternal credit, and um, a, oh, a professor in um, viruses, you know, has come out in the last couple of days, and, and, hadn't, and this professor has no interest in the politics, but has um, said that um, that saved us doing that. Now, Tedros has come out in the last couple of days, and he's done a Donald Trump in a sense, because Donald Trump says, you know, things like, um, close all the factories, um, we need to go in lockdown. You know? And then a minute later, he says, don't close all the factories, we need the economy to keep pumping away, you know. Now, Donald Trump, see, he argues both ways. He's, he's, very, he's got weasel words. He does it all the time. Um, yeah. He, uh, 
So that's his style, you know. And then later, whichever way ends up the best way to go, he says that's what he claimed, you know, because he's claimed he's like those many, many prophets in the world who prophesies everything, you know, and then when one of those prophecies come right, which one of them will always will, you know, if they if they cover all bases, you know, they say, I am a great prophet, you know, and Donald Trump does that too. He says, I am right. He always says, I am right. I predicted this. <coughs> Excuse the coughing. Right, so that's that. Now, Tedros did the same thing at that time. He declared an emergency, but he was extremely strong on um, demanding, I don't mind saying that, um, that we don't stop flights coming from Hubei province, you know, where, where Wuhan is, where the virus was. He was saying, keep all those flights going. Uh, so he was having it both ways. He was declaring an emergency, but um, refusing to, well, actually outright um, criticising anyone who um, took steps to stop the virus coming into their country. So he was declaring an emergency, a national, you know, an international emergency. And at the same time, if someone did the most, you know, took the most obvious action in um, responding to that emergency, he was highly critical of that country. And he was. I'll read it out. You know, and I'll take us back to February the 3rd, and this is days after Australia had... Um, stopped the flights. You know. Now, later on after this, Australia would be pressuring the WHO to declare a pandemic as well. I can't remember all the dates. I get them mixed up. But, you know, I know the order. I know, I know what came first. Um, and then, for, you know, and the WHO refused. Yeah. Now, and, uh, declaring something a pandemic is different than... Um, look, it was about a month afterwards. Uh, it's different than declaring an emergency. There's all sorts of rules that are attached to whether something's de declared a, an emergency or a um, pandemic and so on, you know. But, look, I think it was late January, early February, was Australia stopping the flights from China and Tedros, the Director General of the World Health Organization and others in the WHO and Chinese people present in you know on at, at the who at the time um in being fully supported by tedros at the time being highly critical of you know for example australia and america for blocking flights from china we went harder america was still letting people come from hubei province via other places taiwan and all that sort of thing but australia just blocked them all together we don't want anyone from Hubei province in Australia, and um, some professor in you know, viruses um, has just in the last day or two um, declared that that saved us. All right, so let's get on to it. Um, so here is an article by Reuters. <coughs> so I've got something caught in my throat, but that's the way it goes. February the 3rd, and just keep in mind that Australia had already stopped the flights. Now this is going all right, here we go. Um, who chief says widespread travel bans not needed to beat China virus? Okay. Director General of the World Health Organization, who Tedros at at Honom Gebra Jesus uh, speaks during a news conference after a meeting of the emergency committee. See emergency committee on the novel coronavirus in Geneva, Switzerland on January the 30th, 2020, which would have been about the same time as Australia um, blocking the flights. All right, now this is February the 3rd. World Health Organization Chief Tedros Alphabet said on Monday that there was no need for measures that unnecessarily interfere with international travel and trade in trying to halt the spread of a coronavirus that has killed 361 people in China. We call on all countries to implement decisions that are evidence-based and consistent, Tedros told the WHO executive board, reiterating his message from last week when he declared an international emergency. Now, 
what he means by evidence-based, you know, the evidence, as far as he was concerned, was that aeroplanes should not be stopped. Because, you know, he's saying we call on all countries to implement sensible decisions. And he had already declared what a sensible decision was. That there was no need for measures that unnecessarily interfere with international travel and trade. And what he meant by that was travel from China. Just China. Because that was the only country in the gun at the time. Okay, so he's declared a na a an international emergency and at the same time he um, has very strongly um, uh, pretty much ordered, you know, well, you can't order, you know, but he's told countries that, you know, and he said this separately, you know, that if, if you stop the aeroplanes coming from China, you're stigmatising China. You know, it's a race card of sorts, you know what I mean? Um, okay, next. I'll, I'll continue with the article. Uh, China is facing increasing international isolation. Not from the WHO, by the way, but, you know, from countries like Australia and America at the time. Um, China is facing increasing international isolation due to restrictions on flights to and from the country and bans on travellers from China. Right, there have been 17,238 confirmed infections in China, including 361 deaths, as well as 151 confirmed cases in 23 countries and one death, which was reported from the Philippines on Sunday. Tedros added, right, because of this strategy... And it weren't for China, uh, now I'm directly quoting here, because of this strategy, and it weren't for China, which I presume means if it weren't for China, the number of cases outside China would have been very much higher, he said. Okay? But still keep the planes going is what he's saying. You know, he's saying China's done a good job. He was very consistent in that at the time, always praising China. And criticising us, you know, for blocking the flights, for example. <coughs> it was a pattern of behaviour. Go back and check it yourself if you wish. Um, referring to the virus's spread abroad, he said it was minimal and slow while warning that it could worsen. Now, this is, you know, he's having a bet each way. Look, this is a funny thing. It's what Donald Trump does. He's declaring an emergency, but saying keep the flights coming in and out of China, which was a disaster of a strategy. Disaster of a strategy. Yeah. He was praising China for doing a good job, which I think, no, well, I think China was doing as best it could, but China had already let the cat out of the bag, see. It was too late. China had um, been criminally murderous early, you know, in the, in the weeks before. So it doesn't matter if they were doing a good job at that point in time. You know, Tedros wasn't going to criticise them for having let the cat out of the bag weeks earlier than that. It was too late. The cat was out of the bag, and Tedros didn't want to touch that because he had Chinese people on the stage with him. You'll find this out in a minute. So he's having a bet each way, you know. Um, and again, again here, he said, you know, it's minimal and slow, the spread. Well, warning, it could worsen. You know, now Australia already knew, knew it was already out of the bag. Now, how come we knew that and he didn't, you know? Minimal and slow, you know. Schminimal and schnow, you know what I mean? Um... It was out of the bag, and we knew it. Australia knew it. We blocked flights, you know. And uh, we get um, very heavily criticised for that in a minute in this article from February the 3rd. Tedros, who held talks in Beijing a week ago with Chinese President Xi Jinping, my God, would he have been given his orders, hmm? Now, I wasn't there in the meeting, but you were. You listen up. <laughs> He went to China. Was he influenced from by what he heard? You know, and and, and don't forget, you know, uh, China very much pulls the purse strings in all sorts of way when it comes to someone like Tedros. He it just does. Now, Ethiopia is very dependent on Chinese money. Blah blah blah. I could go on and on. Right, Tedros, who held talks in Beijing a week ago with pre Chinese President Xi Jinping and other leaders coughed and interrupted his speech to take a drink of water, quipping, don't worry, it's not corona. I remember that. You know? Is this serious or not? Is he... Oh, God damn. You know what I mean? It's minimal and slow, are you saying? But it could worsen. It's an emergency, but don't stop the planes. 
Yeah, he's doing a Donald Trump. He's 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 saying it's bad, and he's saying is it that it's not? It's wrong. Australia was um, the only country. You know, we blocked the flights. We were the only country saying it's bad, and so was New Zealand. All right, not the only country. There was a few. Taiwan was another one. Yeah, um, Hong Kong. Yeah, um, Chinese. Yeah, China's own <laughs> neighbours, so to speak. Um, all right. Um, I don't count Donald Trump. He doesn't get he doesn't get the credit that Scott Morrison gets because Donald Trump was doing what Ted Ross was is doing here, having a bet each way all the time at the time. Yeah, we're going to stop the aeroplanes. Ah, but keep everyone, you know, don't worry about all that, you know, social distancing, you know, like. But Scott Morrison, he was um, very firm, very strong, and Brendan Murphy, our chief medical officer. All right. So now. I mentioned that Tedros wasn't alone in all this in this speech. Um, uh, now, it's okay. Okay, so he had been in China. Uh, now, China's delegate. Remember, we're we're getting this article from the WHO. China's delegate took the floor at the WHO executive board, which is the same one that. Um, just going back. He told the WHO executive board. So Tedros and the Chinese guy are both speaking here. You know, they're together. Okay, I just checked that. China's delegate took the floor at the WHO executive board. You know, uh, Tedros stopped talking. And denounced measures by some countries, in inverted commas. That's Australia. You, you, you know, um, that have denied entry to people holding passports issued in Hubei province at the centre of the outbreak, and to deny visas and cancel flights. Now, don't let Donald Trump off the hook. Don't forget that. You know, I think he's made many body bags, has Donald Trump, many. But I think so has Tedros. You know, but I'm a big fan of Jacinta Ardern, you know, our favourite lefty from um, New Zealand, and I'm a big fan of Scott Morrison, our favourite, you know, right-wingy <laughs> from Australia. You know, I'm on, I'm I'm for Jacinda, and I'm from I'm for Scott. You know, anyway. China's delegate took the floor at the WHO executive board and denounced measures by some countries that have denied entry to people holding passports issued in Hubei province at the centre of the outbreak and to deny visas and to cancel flights. Right. So Australia has heard from Tedros, the WHO, um, you shouldn't be cancelling flights. And we've heard that it's an emergency. All right, which one is it? You know, He's having a bet each way. He's doing a Donald Trump. Okay, Li Song, by the way, is the Chinese person speaking now. You know, Tedros has stopped speaking and they're both on the same board. All these measures are seriously against recommendation by the WHO said Li Song, who is China's am ambassador for disarmament at the United Nations in Geneva. You know, all these measures, says the Chinese guy, sitting next to Tedros, are seriously against recommendation by the WHO, said Li Song. He could not have been stronger. We are, Australia, here in Australia, we are being smashed here, by Lee Song, the Chinese guy, and Tedros, who's sitting next to him, yeah, absolutely backing him up, backing his mate up, I say. I've got no proof of that, but I don't need it, really, honestly. Think about it. Okay. China's regular executive board representative... Oh, see, he's a stand-in, Lee Song. It doesn't matter. This is China speaking. China, China's regular executive board representative was unable to attend after her flight from Beijing was cancelled. Chinese diplomats told reporters on Friday. Okay. And that's that in that article. Um, now... Uh, I probably won't be able to find it, but just in the last couple of days, look, it's not hard for you to know that this is true. Um, I haven't even got it here. Uh, uh, he... Just a sec.
okay. Uh, back to the blame game, which is essentially between the US and the World Health Organization, and even more specifically than that, between Donald Trump and Tedros Alphabet, as they each uh, claim that the other is the one causing the body bags when it's both of them. Okay, the either or false dichotomy thing, you know. Um, now, let's see if I can find this other thing. And, you know, I wouldn't even be talking about it, except they're defending each other. Look, probably, the... yep, I understand that. Um, Tedros has been attacked. Of course he's going to defend himself. I'm just saying his defence is wrong, in my opinion. Okay, and we might as well read this. Nothing to do with Donald Trump and nothing to do with Tedros, you know, Ghebreyesus, you know. Uh, but this is just a professor, and we'll find out who she is, just talking about things in general terms. And this is what got me on to the other bit that I just spoke. Okay. And I'll just read this uh, quickly. Um, and uh, But she compliments Australia, Scott Morrison, on... You know, taking the early actions he took. You know, complimenting on Scott Morrison on jumping earlier than the Who wanted him to. Well, not only that, jumping early when the Who specifically didn't want him to. You know, um, and this is the criticism of Tedros. You know, did you hear it before? You know, he is. He's very much. Look, it sounds. Like a trope, doesn't you know that um, Tedros is, was in China's pocket at that time, and the Who was too. Um, but it was there, you know. Just because it's an oldie, it's still a goodie, you know. He was on the, you know, he was in China's pocket. He'd been over to China. He had had a personal attendance with President Xi Jinping. Had Tedros. And do you think he wasn't overawed in one way or another? He came back singing China's praises, and he's trying to walk back back from that at this point in time, but he was. Um, you know, and his future and his, that of his country, uh, both those things are tied up in China, most likely in his mind. But can you imagine going to meet a private audience with President Xi, yeah, and President Xi at that time was hell bent on um, nothing uh, stopping, you know, in terms of uh, travel from China and all that sort of stuff. He was hell bent on it. There's a lot in that too, which I won't mention now, but it you know, had things to do with the trade deals he was doing at that time with America and all that sort of stuff. Um, but also just pure economy, you know, and, and a few other things. He. Um, President Xi did not want it to be a stop the planes scenario. And he did not want it to be a pandemic scenario because that did not work for China at that time. He did not even want it to be a virus for the first couple of weeks. And that's when it escaped. Yeah. Now, um, Tedros, after he had been to China and had had an audience with President Xi... Um, he was, he, he was, oh, gee, I can't think of a good way of saying it except for a rude way, you know, but he was President Xi's favourite boy, how's that sound, after that, alright, but let's get right off that subject and just listen to a professor talking about Australia's performance in a vacuum, nothing to do with the politics of all of this, but, you know, I spot the politics in it, you know. Okay, Coronavirus Australia, the decision that saved Australia from a COVID-19 death toll of thousands. You know, this is highly complimentary of Scott Morrison. I think he deserves it. I, I, look, he's Scott Morrison, like every Prime Minister in, of Australia since World War II, um, has been backing the, the sitting President of the, of the United States. Now, Scott Morrison's done a good job and Donald Trump's done a crap job, really. In, inconsistent as all get up. We don't need a comedian. 
when there's a virus around because viruses don't get the joke. Donald Trump, you know, Scott Morrison is sober and serious all the time. Donald Trump talks in riddles and, you know, and then says, hey, what are you, what are you taking me literally for? You know, I, I meant that sarcastically and I meant that in a sideways way. And I didn't mean that. You know, I meant the other thing I said five minutes earlier and all this sort of, you know, speaking in riddles. Coronaviruses don't speak in riddles. You know, viruses just kill, you know. You can't be a, a leader and speak in riddles and then get angry at people for not interpreting your riddles correctly. You need straight talking, you know, when you're dealing with a virus. That's the leader you need. You need a leader like Scott Morrison or Jacinta Ardern, you know, or the respective chief medical officers in those two countries, and the leaders in quite a few other countries, like the leader of Taiwan, for example. Okay. Coronavirus Australia. Yeah, so I am not on Donald Trump's side here, but I'm not on Ted Ross's side either. Coronavirus Australia. The decision that saved Australia from a COVID-19 death toll of thousands. You know, which still should come, by the way. We've squashed the curve. It may come back. You know, Singapore was in great shape about two weeks ago, and now cases in Singapore have exploded. They've lost control all of a sudden, and they, they were the pin-up boys. Um, people were singing Singapore's praises. They're singing our praises at the moment in Australia and in New Zealand. Uh, you know, but we could turn around next week and it could have exploded. So this is just as of now. A leading infectious disease expert has praised Australia's rapid response to coronavirus, claiming our death toll could have spiked to devastating heights had the decision to block flights from China not been made early on. Professor Sharon Loon Oh, sorry, Lewin, um, this week shot down claims that our success in the battle of the dead against the deadly infection was merely due to good luck. And this is, uh, you know, our leading infectious disease expert, all right. Um, attributing our low fatality rate to the government's decision to bar or quarantine travellers from China in early February. Look, these infectious disease people, they just do maths. They don't do geopolitics, you know, she would, she, you know, she's just doing calculations, she's just doing maths, you know. If you get 10 cases in, that'll turn into 1,000. If you get 100 cases in from China, you know, in the early days, you know, maybe 10,000 people or 50,000 people. You know, she's doing mathematics, it's not geopolitics, this business. I'm off the geopolitics now. Okay. It comes as the ACT became the first Australian jurisdiction to be free of all known cases of COVID-19. South Australia boasted a week free of new infections and the Northern Territory reported just three patients left to recover from the virus, with the rest of Australia not far behind. Uh, Professor Lewin, director of the Peter Doherty Institute, I know him, uh, for infection and immunity. Uh, just the other day, he's a, he's a Nobel Prize winning you know, Australian infectious diseases um, expert, and he's got an institute named after him. That's interesting. Now, um, yeah, just the other day he was, um, you know, how you can do voice, uh, you know, voice to text into your phone. He was wondering when Dan Murphy's was open, and he thought he was in Google, um, but he was on Twitter, and. He went to search on Google Dan Murphy's opening hours because he probably wanted his latest Irish whiskey, you know, a new batch. Um, but he was accidentally in Twitter and he tweeted it out to his 150,000 followers. 150,000 followers when you're an infectious diseases expert. He's like, you know, 1.5 billion followers when you're, you know, a celebrity rapper, for example. Um... You're, you're an actual hero if you're an infectious diseases expert. Um, all right, now, then that was very funny, very Irish. I don't know if he's Irish, but his name's Peter Doherty. Okay, Professor Lewin, director of the Peter Doherty Institute for Infection and Immunity, spoke as part of a COVID-19 webinar, that's like a seminar, you know, held by... The Australian Academy of Health and Medical Science on Wednesday, where she rebutted claims by a contributing expert. All right, that was an expert too. Okay, so there could have been a, you know, it'd be nice to hear the uh, an article from that expert. But anyway, 
rebutted claims by a contributing expert that Australia was lucky. Look, it might have been a bit each way, but the point is we've still done a good job, even if it is both ways. Touching on the decisions to be made surrounding the economy as Australia continues to crush the curve, Australian National University economics professor Warwick McKibben commented that we were lucky. Oh, so he was an expert in the economy. Now I get it. And she's the expert on infectious diseases. All right. Um, Australian National University economics professor Warwick McKibben um, yeah, I've heard of him too, uh, commented that we were lucky to be in a position where such conversations could start. I think we are in a very good place, Mr McKibben said. Um, look, maybe he was, he was only speaking from an economic point of view. Maybe he was saying we are lucky that Scott Morrison's smart and his advisors are smart too. You know, oh, jeez, I saw someone, what was his name? Um, no, I'm not going to remember it. He said, Scott Morrison deserves, you know, he's a huge lefty, that guy. I love lefties, you know, I love Jacinda Ardern, I do. Um, but this one, he says, Scott Morrison deserves no praise. Um, it's because, you know, I forget, oh, what's his name? Um, he's a, a singer, you know, um, one of these activist singers. And he said he, deserves, he hates Scott Morrison because, you know, Scott Morrison's liberal. You know, so you have to hate him. Um, and, uh, he's a big lefty, you know. Um, so, uh, Scott Morrison, um, he said he deserves no praise because he's got good advisors. It wasn't his cleverness. It was his advisors' cleverness. Oh, shut up, is what I was thinking of saying to that celebrity, you know, activist singer. You know, it makes him an even greater leader. The fact that he can listen to good advice as part of leadership. Give the man some credit, you know probably smash him for um, backing Donald Trump too much, which I think we'll see more of from Scott Morrison. But you'd have to understand the ANZUS alliance, you know. You'd have to understand that in terms of why we backed George W. Bush going into Iraq and all sorts of things, you know. To a certain extent, um, we are handmade. We are, um, oh, look, I won't get into that. But, you know, we kind of still back America, even when America's doing wrong, you know, on that level. Um, or we give them emotional support anyway, but we still do our own thing. Right. Yeah, you know, a little bit like Tedros backs China. We back the United States, you know. But the point is, the advice, you know, the backing we give to the United States doesn't have the body bag creation impact the Tedros backing China does. It's a different kettle of fish, a fish, a different box of frogs, don't worry. All right, we did kill a lot of Iraqis, though. I'm not pro-Australia all the time. It was a disaster. And New Zealand opted out of Iraq, and we went in, but, you know, John Howard at the time felt he had to. But at the time, my mother-in-law and I were, oh, we were smashing, you know, like we were... Smacking our forehead. What do they call that? Face slapping. Oh, no, I don't know what it's called. Forehead slapping. Yeah, I'm not up with the modern lingo. No, we've got to stand up to George W. Bush, you know, but Australian Prime Ministers, for whatever reason, and I don't mean what, you know, regardless of what stripe they are, whether they are Labour or Liberal, uh, they t we tend to... Yeah, is it because we've got bases, American bases, on our soil? Yeah, is it because of the threat of China? You know, for some reason, we're not going to go against China. Uh, we're not going to go against... America in general, because I think they're our security blanket. All right, anyway. Um, yeah, and New Zealand gets to ride under the radar a little bit, tiny country, and we take the heat on that front. All right, but anyway, to a certain extent. I think we're in a very good place, McKibben said, you know, because we were lucky that we are in a position to start the economy again, is what he's saying. And, you know, this professor in... Um, Infectious diseases has jumped in, obviously, and said, oh, it's not luck, it's good, you know, it's designed, it's good work, you know. Um, and McKibben would have a right to say, well, all right, yeah, all right. But when I said we are lucky, we are lucky that we are smart. You know, I think she's, she's missed his point at a bit there. You know, but I bet he just said, okay, go, go for it, have a chat. But that's not what I'm talking about. But 
We're in a place where almost no other country is in, except for New Zealand and South Korea. Oh, yeah, South Korea have done very well too. So I think the luck was there, but I think it's overplayed. I think it's overplayed by people who made the wrong arguments at the beginning. Oh, I don't even know what he's talking about that. I'll get on to the professor soon. I don't want to hear from this economist. We had some bad luck where we had a couple of cruise ships that were let in, and that was bad luck, but we managed it, he said. Okay, I'll just put all that aside, McKibben. I don't think it's luck, Professor Lewin responded, going on to refute other widely held claims that Australia escaped the virus relatively unscathed due to geographical uh, or seasonal factors. Okay, see, we've still got winter coming, you see. I hear this often, you know, she said. You know, Australia has done okay because it's an island, it's summer, but actually, in mid to late March, when the epidemic was taking off, at the end of our summer, the doubling... I can't read it quite because it's off my screen, because I only took a screenshot. The doubling time was every two... I'll be able to find it here. Was every two days, she said. And that's a good point. You know, because she does the maths. This is what I like about infectious disease people. They're not political as such, you know. Well, some of them are, like... Tedros. Okay. Australia has done okay because it's an island. So, yeah. Um, she points out, it's got nothing to do with that, she said, because in mid to late March, when the epidemic was taking off, at the end of our summer, the doubling time was every two days, she said, pointing out that the outbreak was spreading at the same rate here, you know, as it was in the rest of the world. According to Professor Lewin, had immediate action not been taken at this time, you know, by Scott Morrison, she doesn't mention that. You know, Scott Morrison flying in the face of the World Health Organization. Scott Morrison ignoring Tedros. You know, Tedros says, why, you know, if you had just listened to me, everything would have been all right. We defied you, Tedros, because you gave the wrong advice and you gave the right advice on the same day. Yeah? Oh, where do you start? with people who speak with weasel words, having a bet each way, you know, cozying up to China and calling it emergency, calling it an international emergency, but then suddenly saying, but it's not that big an emergency, keep the planes going. You know, he's actually full of shit. Yeah, anyway, we'll get back to that. According to Professor Lewin, had immediate action not been taken at this time, our fate could have mirrored that of the hardest-hit countries such as Italy and the US. Part of the reason we acted so quickly, she explained, comes down to how attuned we typically are to what's happening in Asia. And, you know, South Korea and Taiwan and Hong Kong all, uh, and Vietnam, by the way, you know, it is true, all of us, you know, all of we countries near Asia, we actually have done the best. Because we are attuned. Um, I think she's right there. Australians are very conscious about what's happening in Asia, she said. In early January, um, across the world, no one was really thinking about coronavirus. But in Australia, everyone was thinking about it. And that's true. That much is true. Well, obviously, you know, we stopped the flights at the end of January, you know. There were people hopping onto cruise ships in the middle of March, when my wife and I had already pulled our children out, and, and then were getting stuck on those cruise ships, they'd hopped on them in the middle of March, not January, not February, March, and then they couldn't get off them, you know, Australians abroad, you know, off Argentina and everything, and then when they hopped off the cruise ships, you know, they couldn't get back to Australia and they're screaming, send Qantas planes to pick us up, this is not fair, we had no idea. What the hell? You know, we'd pulled our kids out of school before you um, hopped on the ship, you know, and, and, and the claim they made, they said, we spoke to the captain and he said it was all right. You know, that's believing what you want to believe and wanting to go on that cruise no matter what, isn't it? You know, do you not have internet? Do you not have internet? You know, you've got, the, you've got access to the same information I've got. You say you didn't know that it was exploding. Yeah. I knew it was exploding. 
pulled the kids out of school, yeah, and had a huge discussion with my goddaughter, for example, when Australia was declaring it a pandemic, you know, which I think was um, late February, you know, 14 days before the WHO, oh, you know, called it a pandemic. In fact, we pulled our kids out, out of school about the same time that the WHO called it a pandemic, called it a pandemic. You know, so I knew something. Stupid me. I knew it was a pandemic, and I had already had that discussion, you know, with numerous people, but my goddaughter especially, who I chat with, and um, I knew it was a pandemic, and Tedros from The Who didn't, and here he is, standing up today, saying, we warned you all, you just didn't listen to our advice. Oh, we listened to you, all right, and luckily, we ignored you, is what I'm saying. He should not be let out of jail, this guy. Neither should Donald Trump. You know, but neither should Tedros. They're both blaming each other, as if it's either or. It's both. Okay. Um, has the crisis escalated over the month of January? Prime Minister Scott Morrison announced that foreign arrivals from mainland China would not be allowed entry into Australia from February the 1st. The government also raised the travel advice warning to level 4 recommending that no Australian travel to mainland China following the spread of coronavirus in China, you know, beyond Hubei province. In addition, Australian citizens arriving from China were forced to quarantine for two weeks. And my God, did they suck. Did they suck. Yeah. They went to places like Christmas Island and everything. Okay. Professor Lewin said the call was... Brilliant timing. Although she admits she was sceptical at the time. Now, that's an interesting thing. She admits she was sceptical at the time. Look, she was probably on the record being sceptical. Sceptical? So, uh, uh, Spectacles. Um, sceptical. She was probably on the record. But the point is that she, she's pointing that out now. I like that level of humility. You won't get that from Donald Trump or Tedros. You know, this sort of admitting... To, yeah. Anyway, um, for me, I thought that was a terrible decision. I'll say honestly, and the World Health Organization, too, said that blocking flights was the worst thing that you could do for a global health crisis. But it saved Australia because it actually stopped seeding at the very beginning. Now, this is interesting. All right, we'll go back over that. For me... I thought that, you know, the decision by Scott Morrison and the chief medical officer, uh, Brendan Murphy, um, for me, I thought that was a terrible decision, I'll say honestly. And the World Health Organization, um, too, said that blocking flights was the worst thing that you could do for a global health crisis. But it saved Australia. Because it's actually stopped seeding at the very beginning. Now this is interesting because you know, I've been doing this podcast ever since those days, and you know I've been hot on it. You know, because well, mainly because I've got you know three people in my family who are high risk. You know, I've hardly ever mentioned that in all of my episodes. You know, because this podcast is not about me personally, but I was switched on because it mattered to us. And we knew it was a drama. And when Australia stopped the flights, you know, we cheered. Yes, thank goodness. You know, my wife and I, because we were switched on. Right. But even she wasn't here. That's interesting. At the time, Europe had not stopped flights. The US did. But the US was still getting people from China coming from other places, she said. Now, what she doesn't say is Donald Trump was, you know, yeah, like, yes, he stopped the planes. And he's making a big deal of that right now. But he, he did a lot of other things, um, uh, you know, having a bed each way um, that um, caused body bags. America is out of control. And a lot of the blame for that is, you know, well, that rests with Tedros for letting it get out to America so much in the first place and not declaring it, you know, more strongly as an emergency 
You know, he said, I declared it as an emergency. You know, I did, I, I promise. You know, and it was just this weak little emergency where, you know, in the same breath, you know, with a Chinese delegate right next to him and he's just been to China himself, he's saying, oh, but don't stop the planes and don't be, don't be unkind to China. You know, don't stigmatise China. Oh, the amount of times he said that at the time, you know. We don't give a fuck about stigmatising China at the moment. You know, would you shut up about that? The virus doesn't care about racism and stigmatisation and, you know, uh, geopolitics and, you know, your mates over in China getting their noses out of joint. The virus cares only about the mathematics. And that's what I was thinking about at the time. You know, would, you, would you shut up about the stigmatisation and just do the maths for us? And just report to us that it would be a good idea uh, for us not to get 50 or 100 or 250 cases of coronavirus landing from Hubei province you know, in Melbourne and then that spreading right through Melbourne. Could you let us know that? Yeah, he wouldn't do that. He declared it an emergency and then declared it not an emergency. He declared it an emergency and then declared it not an emergency. Yeah, you know, almost in the same breath. And you know, and and then he let his Chinese friends speak. They were on the board together. You know, joint conference. And 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 Li Song, you know, the Chinese guy at the Who, a delegate, um, ambassador, whatever, um, acting ambassador. You know. Uh, um, attacked Australia for having stopped the aeroplanes, you know. And Tedros just leans back in his chair and, you know, essentially nods. Essentially nods. All right. So, um, a few days ago. Right, back to the article. Hong Kong, Macau and Taiwan were not included. You know, uh, America didn't. America had a lot of exemptions. It was still letting the planes come in from all sorts of other places. You could be from Hubei province and you could go to Macau and then catch a plane to America. You know, we were much tougher in Australia. We said, no, not interested. No one. All of China blocked. You know, very bad for our economy, but we did it anyway. Good on you, Scott Morrison. You know, I hate Scott Morrison, in a way. You know, but credit where credit's due. You know? If you want me to hate Scott Morrison, do you want me to hate Jacinda Ardern too? Because they're pretty similar strategies. Okay. Okay. And um, Hong Kong, Macau and Taiwan were not included and US citizens and permanent residents could still travel from China but were subject to screening and possible 14-day quarantine. quarantine. Some flights were immediately suspended but others continued for weeks at the discretion of the airlines. That's the United States. All right. Donald Trump, you didn't do a Scott Morrison. I'm not a fan of Donald Trump. The exemptions were largely because of fears. This is in, in the America, by the way. The exemptions were largely because of fears over the economic impacts of a full ban on flights from China, the Washington Post reported. Now, the America was afraid of the economic impacts, which is fair enough. But the point is, you know, we had just as much to lose in Australia, but we we bit the bullet. I think we did the maths better. I think Scott Morrison did the maths better, and I think so did Brendan Murphy. Okay. While most of Europe hadn't placed any flight bans at this time, Italy, which along with the US has been hardest hit by coronavirus, imposed a full ban with no exemptions on flights from China on January the 31st, immediately after a Chinese couple in Rome tested positive for the virus. It was all there to see. It really was. I've been doing this podcast on COVID-19 for quite a while. I don't know when I started. And I've been saying these things right along, I'm sure. It was the first and only European country to have a flight ban, according to the World Health Organ uh, Organization's advice at the time. Oh, sorry. It was the first and only European country to have a flight ban, ignoring the World Health Organization's advice at the time. Do you know what? If you were going to ban flights from China, you had to um, go against Ted Ross's advice. And here he is today saying, you didn't listen to my advice. The smart countries did listen to your advice. Now, 
Italy did too on January the 31st. It was too late in Italy. They'd, they'd already let some in. They'd already let too many in even before then. They got a cluster going in the north. Something to do with a factory that hired fly-in, fly-out Chinese workers and things like that, you know. Look, Australia, Australia went harder earlier. Okay. A month later, on March 9th, the Italian government under Prime Minister Giuseppe Conte, Conte um, now the epicentre, um, oh, sorry, uh, Giuseppe Conte, imposed a national quarantine. quarantine. New York City, now the epicentre of the virus, went into lockdown on March the 22nd. Look, they all jumped too late. Jacinda Ardern, I think, jumped beautifully early. I think they had no deaths or you know, maybe no cases even, and she did, went into lockdown. Fantastic move. And, and, and um, we had a, a handful, I think we, one or two or three, um, and we went into lockdown. Yeah. Um, we got a bit unlucky or bad management too. We had this stupid ship that led a whole lot of people on board. To a certain extent, we um, pulled off a miracle that New Zealand didn't have to pull off. You know, we were New Zealand, had that diamond princess or whatever it's called, not spewed its passengers into our population. Uh, that got a, that got the virus going, and miraculously we stomped on it. You know, pleased about Australia for doing that. To a certain extent, that you know, the fact that we let it out and then pulled it back in is brilliant. You know, New Zealand's brilliant too. Um, you know. Uh, for not letting it get out of control in the first place. Australia managed to let it get out of control and then brought it back. You know, South Korea did that too. South Korea did an amazing job, and so did Australia. There are other countries, um, you know, that stomped on it before it came, which is another sort of brilliance, but, you know, discipline. Yeah. All right. According to Professor, uh, Professor Lewin, as devastation began to unfold in New York and Northern Italy, Australians were begging for stricter lockdown measures of our own. You know, compare that to um, the idiots in America. Seriously, I'll say that. You know, rednecks and all sorts of different people um, pulling out their guns and marching down the street saying, we protest against the lockdown. You know, well, Australia has been a lot more sober than that. Look, I give Australia 10 out of 10 at the moment. And I give Australia 9 out of 10 and New Zealand 10 out of 10. Look, in some senses, I give both of us 10 out of 10. For brilliant effort done, you know, and South Korea too, you know, brilliant. Hong Kong, brilliant, you know. Okay. It could all change next week. We could spin out of control and do a Singapore, you know, because people were giving Singapore a mark of brilliant. Yeah, me too, you know, a couple of weeks ago, but they've lost, they lost control again. And I could get into that, you know, it's to do with it. They forgot, they forgot to check their slaves. You know, they have this indentured labour system over there. Yeah. They're paying for that now. Yeah. Oh, beautiful, shiny Singapore, you know, but run on cheap labour, you know. All right. According to Professor Lewin, yeah, Australians were begging for stricter lockdown, you know, and in America you've got a whole lot of people begging for no lockdown. <laughs> what do you, you know, what do you do with America sometimes? Short of, you know, throwing straw <laughs> in their rooms. No, that's not fair, because a lot of Americans are... No, look, it's it's tragedy over there, suffering. Um, and, uh, yes, obviously, uh, huge numbers of Americans are thinking just like Australians. But, um, unfortunately, they have Donald Trump, and we have Scott Morrison. More fool them for having a political system that allows someone like Donald Trump to get in in the first place. Yeah, You're not going to get someone like that making it all the way to Prime Minister in our country. Um, our political system is geared differently. Can't happen, really, you know. You've got to actually come up the hard way in Australia. You can't be parachuted into the position of President, you know, with no political experience whatsoever. Um, put it this way, America regularly, regularly throws up Presidents who um, can't make sense. You know, George W. Bush, you know, uh, and Donald Trump, who won't make sense, uh, and probably by now, probably by now can't. You know, he he speaks in this waffly comedian talk all the time. He's not far off a joke at all times. He's like one of the blokes down the pub. 
you know. Now, those guys would get weeded out um, early on in the political sort of succession process in Australia. They'd get found out early and would never even rise through the ranks and get into the cabinet, let alone into the position of prime minister. I love our system. Yeah. If, if, if President Trump dies tomorrow um, or gets very, very sick, you know, Boris Johnson style, they're in chaos immediately because they just can't function without a president sitting there with the executive orders. Uh, whereas, Australia, you know, Boris Johnson, when he got sick under the Westminster system, our Westminster system and all that sort of stuff, um, the government didn't even lose a beat. Just, you know, the cabinet just made all the decisions in his absence. Beautiful, you know. Yeah, I just like it better. You know, I don't want to go to a republic to tell the truth, but that's a whole other episode. Um, but Australia too, you know, if something bad happened to, if he suddenly got sick, Scott Morrison, yeah, cabinet would vote on all the decisions that needed to be voted. Look, the prime minister's there only um, to um, have a deciding vote in the event of a tie. Yeah, anyway, so usually the prime minister is not required anyway. But you know, over in America. The president of America is signing executive orders left, right, and centre. It all comes down to one man. Often, he could declare war. One man. That can't happen in Australia. Yeah, you know, it's fraught with risk. This model of a presidency of a republic. You know, at least the American-style republic. Fraught with risk. Wouldn't want to go to it. You know, nice to see. I wouldn't want to be and all that sort of stuff. Right. Okay. So, um, whew, where was I? Assistant Vice-Chancellor. Where was I? Um, Australians were looking around thinking. Um, the Australians, Australians, said Professor Lewin, were looking around thinking we were going to be like New York or Italy. So when we had to go hard at the end of March... We were ready to do so. And that's true. I absolutely don't think it has anything to do with us being an island or it being summer. Because it could and would... Sorry, she just says would. It would have taken off here as well, she concluded. She concluded her chat, I presume. Um, Assistant Vice-Chancellor... Vice-Chancellor? Yeah. Assistant Vice-Chancellor of the University of Melbourne, Professor Shit... Kapoor, that's his name, sorry. I oh, know, Shittij. Shittij Kapoor, who led the panel, agreed with Professor Lewin's statement. Oh, that's interesting. Um, Assistant Vice-Chancellor of the University of Melbourne, Professor Shittij Kapoor, who led the panel, agreed with Professor Lewin's statement, comparing Australia's result to those of Canada's. Yeah, Canada. For the first 16 days of this pandemic, we were within 10 cases of each other. Yeah, that's Canada and Australia. And then something changed in late March, he said. The speculation, the speculation, the speculation is that it was kids who had come back from March break in Florida who brought the infections and and particularly um, seeded the aged care homes. Uh, today, Canada has 45,000 cases and we have 6,000. Um, oh, I've lost my thing. I got texted. Look, um, I'll finish off there because uh, someone needs me. So you get the gist of all of this. Ah, and as to the title of this episode, in defence of the Who, yeah, that was just that was me just being a, an Irish smart ass. Yeah, I didn't say it was me who was defending the Who. It was Tedros defending the Who. Yeah, I attack the Who for its actions early on and its China centricism. I agree with Donald Trump on that, even though I don't like him. You can do both at the same time. Uh, But I do think The Who has done a great job, including Tetros, has done a great job after the initial blunders. Look, 
Uh, Tedros is a dead man walking now. Uh, so, so he's almost irrelevant, I think. But um, I'll just let that episode meander off once again. Stop the press. Abruptly, I have to finish this episode. And I have to finish the entire podcast. 209 episodes worth. Uh, I say this because I've been kicked out of this podcast by my phone and I can't get back into it. Now, I've jumped onto this podcast just this once to finish it off um, onto my iPad, but I don't like speaking on my iPad. It's too bulky. So this is the end of this episode and it's the end of the podcast. Uh, excuse me for just one second. Uh, other, other door. Um, just give me a second. Yeah, one last um, thing. Um, yeah, I, I, I started smashing uh, Tedros there again. Um, look, everyone who is in a position of responsibility and trying to do something in the world, it's public service that which Tedros is into. And at the same time, probably a little bit, you know, um, ambition as well you know, and maybe making some money at the same time in fact probably making a lot of money you know, same goes for Donald Trump same goes for everyone they're all a little bit devil you know, and all a little bit Jesus you know um, giving and taking you know um, so look if I had kept going with this podcast I probably would have ended up doing another episode in which I admire Tedros of the World Health Organization, and I may have done another episode where I find, you know, where I explore some of the good things Donald Trump is doing too, but all in all, I suppose the record stands that um, this podcast finished with me, uh, the overall podcast that is, with me having smashed Donald Trump and smashed... Um, Tedros of the World Health Organization. You know, they're my two pet smashies. And having um, given a few compliments to our own Prime Minister during this coronavirus crisis, uh, that being Scott Morrison. You know, that's the way I finished it off. But had I kept going with this podcast, I'm sure I would have flipped it again at some stage and, you know, said, listen, you know, Donald Trump, um, yeah, unorthodox, but, you know, um, as long as he gets the results, well, he's not during coronavirus, but hey, he might get he might get um, elected come the end of this year in his elections, and you know it might be time to get the economy back on track again, and he might be the one, the man for that job. You know, he's been a disaster, I think, in the crisis that has been coronavirus, but maybe good, maybe maybe the right man. His unorthodox methods, you know, especially if China starts to, you know. If a war breaks out between China and uh, America, maybe his approach will be required, you know. Um, well, yeah, look, maybe he has been bad in this sort of crisis, and maybe we'll end up um, in another unorthodox way. The right president um, in the post-coronavirus era, whether that be one of peace or war, maybe he will be, you know. It was like Churchill, you know, he was, uh, he was the right man, um, for the job, the job of Prime Minister during the war, but not so great in peacetime after the war. You know, Donald Trump might be a reverse Churchill, you know. Not so good in coronavirus. Managing the coronavirus, he's been an absolute disaster, really, in my opinion, you know. Um, but, you know, um, the, uh, the US economy is going to be a mess um, as we um, maybe emerge from this coronavirus. And maybe someone like Donald Trump, who has a bizarre approach to these things, but often a successful approach to these things, might be the right time for a job. And we don't need a sensible Obama type, you know, post-coronavirus. You know? Um, I mean, Obama, lovely guy. Did he get all, did he get big results? No. You know, so who cares if he's a lovely guy or not? 
oh, you know, but he affected the psyche of the people of the world to, you know, be lovely and compassionate and all that sort of stuff. Big deal, you know. If he left America in a, if he left America a bit of a basket case, then he was a bad president, whether he was a nice guy or not. Maybe, you know. I mean, did he end up uh, making the Middle East any better? Did he sh- did he shut Gitmo? You know, did he shut Guantanamo Bay like he promised to? You know, did he? You know, well, no. You know. End of podcast. Ah, I forgot to mention, <laughs> there's a follow-up podcast. A podcast that's a follow-up to this one. All right, this one is called Charlie and Now, you know, suddenly, uh, without further ado. This podcast is now called Charlie Threadbow, episodes 1 to 209. There is a, a podcast that's a follow-up to this one, and it will be called Charlie Threadbow, episodes 210 onwards I'm a genius for coming up with flashy titles aren't I okay now that's the end of the podcast